The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. It's man-to-man coverage. This is the PFT PM Podcast. And now, your host, Mike Florio. It's a Friday PFT PM Podcast. Week two of the preseason. Has five games in the books, more games to come. No point talking about any of those upcoming games from a preview standpoint because I want this thing to be relevant through the weekend. So now some of your questions may be along the lines of preview content for the weekend's games, but my goal is to not talk about what's to come tonight, Saturday, Sunday, but to talk a little bit about what happened last night and whatever else may come up, and I plan to answer your questions. I have no idea how many questions there are. I'm doing it like I always do, going in cold, going in fresh. But one thing I do want to talk about before I get to your questions, there has been a update, I guess, a revision to what Al Riveron, the NFL Senior VP of Officiating, said to a pool reporter last night in the aftermath of that Bengals-Washington game where offensive pass interference was called. Jay Gruden, the Washington coach, challenged the ruling of OPI against his player, and the ruling on the field was upheld, even though what we saw on TV showed no interference. If anything, you could argue that the Bengals defender ran into the Washington receiver before the ball arrived, although I would say it's simultaneous. The defender isn't looking back for the ball, but he runs into and makes contact with the receiver right when the ball arrives. Just inadvertent, perfect timing. So no defensive pass interference. The question is, where was the offensive pass interference? And there was an uproar last night. And that's fine. People are looking for things to be uproarious about as it relates to replay review for pass interference. And I'm fine with that. I would rather people be vigilant and resisting than just saying, okay, in response to every ruling that's made and accepting it. And the one thing that we shouldn't accept is stonewalling. Al Riveron explained to the pool reporter, look, It was called offensive pass interference. It wasn't overturned when it was challenged. There's nothing to talk about. All I need to tell you is there was not sufficient visual evidence to overturn the ruling on the field. And he's right. And I think what he was trying to do was conceal or at least tiptoe around what is an inherent flaw in this process. And the NFL officiating Twitter feed has since admitted what I and others believed happened here here's what happened and there's one specific angle where you can see the ball coming in the receiver jumping the defensive back contacting the receiver as the ball arrives and just at the moment where the ball is on the hands of the receiver because it was an underthrown flag route just as the ball is on the hands of the receiver the official in the background already has the flag out so he's not engaged in some sort of minority report precognition and throwing the flag before the interference actually happens because he knows it's coming. 
he's already seen something that he regards as a foul. And while he's running, he's in the process of throwing the flag for something that already happened. And that's what the NFL officiating Twitter account has acknowledged. The on-field officials called OPI for a push-off by Washington number 13 at the 50-yard line well before he jumped to catch the ball. There was no clear and obvious visual evidence from the available broadcast video that the ruling was incorrect, so the on-field ruling stands. Al River on tiptoed around that last night for an important reason. We have now identified another flaw in this process, and the flaw is an obvious one. Replay review is only as good as the available replay evidence. And there have been occasions where an angle doesn't get to the the booth in time to allow it to be factored in, or it isn't played on the big screen or on TV in time for the coach to throw a red flag. There's so many cameras in any given game Sometimes it's that one last camera angle that gives you what you're looking for. But the cameras are trained on the ball for the most part. So if the ball is in the air, the moment the ball is thrown, that's when the pass interference rules become the most relevant. Now, you've got the potential for offensive pass interference if someone's blocking more than a yard away from the line of scrimmage. But the ball in the air pass interference, once it's in the air, you can't significantly hinder another player who's trying to catch the ball, whether it's offensive or defensive. The problem is there's going to be that split second or longer where the ball is in the air, but there's no camera on the receiver who may have pushed off to get open. And likewise, no camera on the defensive player who may be grabbing a jersey. And we're never going to see what the officials saw. Whatever the official calls or doesn't call is going to be bulletproof because of the fact that you can't have clear and obvious evidence sufficient to overturn the ruling on the field because there is none. That's a flaw in this process. And it's particularly relevant to pass interference plays because there's always that moment. Unless you're going to have a camera assigned with a, you know, a suitable angle. Do you trail behind? Are you in front or in the side? But you've got five eligible receivers on any given play. You can have a camera on all five eligible receivers every play, start to finish of the play. That's the only way to ensure that you're going to have some visual evidence of whether or not there was a push. And I guess what you're going to have to do is cross-reference. Was the ball in the air when that push happened? Because if it's a push, especially a defensive push that happens before the ball's in the air, it's illegal contact, which is not subject to replay review. We've identified another potential flaw in all of this. You may have a camera angle, but... And, and that's the thing. How much splicing together are you supposed to do? Let's say for big games like the Super Bowl, they have a camera on every eligible receiver. And the receiver is running down the field, and he's beyond five yards, and the defensive player hits him. No flag. Gives him a shove. No flag thrown. But because the camera is only on the receiver and the defensive back, because there's one camera on every eligible receiver, you don't know whether or not the ball's in the air. So what do you do? How do you ensure that the timing is right? 
how much do you have to do to get to the point where the evidence is clear and obvious if you're looking at two different angles? How can you be confident that this is exactly what's happening at the same time? They've used multiple angles in the past to try to see whether or not like the ball's out or a catch was made. But you can tell by the context of the shot because it's different angles of the same thing. So you know, as the ball's coming in, where the knee is or whatever the thing, you can tell with that spatial relationship that, okay, this is just a, a 45 degree turn of what I see in this other angle. But to have one guy 30 yards away who has thrown the ball or not thrown the ball, and then there's a shove by a defensive player, how do you link those two up to have the confidence necessary? So even if you have a camera on the guy the whole time, how do you have clear and obvious evidence the ball was in the air? Now, look, as the ball is coming in, you know the ball's in the air. But that's another problem here. And that's one of the unintended or unavoidable consequences of making replay review subject to pass interference calls made and not made. And I really do think Al Riveron opted to be circumspect in what he had to say about it because he knows it's a problem. And he really didn't want to tell that to the whole world. At least not without having a chance to talk to his boss or bosses all the way up to the commissioner about whether or not this is something that they should be doing. A couple of other notes from Thursday night. Kyler Murray did not look good. He passed the eyeball test week one of the preseason against the Chargers. He failed it last night. And I know it means nothing. And I, I, I get... I don't want to say I get sick of hearing it, but I do. The, oh, we're overreacting. No, we're just reacting. It just seems like we're overreacting because there's nothing else to react to. We always overreact. Or at least we react and we feel like it's overreacting. That's the... the and, and again, anybody who's in this business should prefer overreaction to underreaction. We react. There's only 16 regular season games. You react. Fortunes of a team change dramatically based upon the outcome of one game. And last night, Tyler Murray did not want to go out there and shit the bed against the Raiders. He wanted to go out and play well. I was excited to see him play. I think Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach of the Cardinals, left him in the game longer than he intended to just so he could have a moment where he feels good as he walks off. I said today on PFT Live, it's like shooting hoops at the gym by yourself. You always want to make the last one. Even if you miss all of them, you want to make that last one. You want to feel good about how it ends. You want to have something to build on. I don't know what Kyler Murray has to build on. And it could be that the rest of the team sucks. It could be that John Gruden, the coach of the Raiders, maybe game planned a little bit more for this one than he ordinarily would for a preseason game. Just to knock that Kyler Murray hype train down a peg or two. You know, Phoenix isn't all that far from Las Vegas, folks. That's a geographic rival for the soon-to-be Las Vegas Raiders. And they got Kyler Murray for the next 15 years. And if John Gruden can deliver a nice little uppercut to the generational talent narrative, why not do it? I'll show this guy what the NFL's all about. Horrible John Gruden impersonation. It should be easy. 
I don't know why I can't do it. I don't know why I can't do a lot of things. At least I found something that I am good enough at that I'm able to fool enough people who pay me money to think that I'm good at it. Whether I'm good at it or not, who cares? I've got them fooled. I hope they're not listening. So Kyler Murray now has to deal with adversity. And this is why when Peter King pointed out before the draft that Kyler Murray has hardly ever lost at the high school or college level and one of the real questions, how will he deal with losing? And there were people who should know better who got like, oh, wait, winning's a problem now? It's bad to win? No, it's not bad to win. But there's a question mark about how this guy's going to react when he loses three in a row. Especially when he's got high-end baseball skills. What if after a year or two of football, and what after what if after a year or two of high-level adversity, Kyler Murray says, you know what, screw this. Life is too short to play a sport at which I'm too short to be successful. The rest of my team blows. My individual performance relies too much on the ability of others to perform, and I don't like it. If you don't have another sport you can play at an extremely high level, you never have the temptation. You got to stick it out. But wouldn't baseball love to rip this guy away? It still may rip Jameis Winston away from football after four years that have been far from what Winston would have expected them to be. Just something to keep an eye on. I liked what I saw from Dwayne Haskins last night. I just don't know when is the best time to put him on the field. Big Cat and I were talking about this today. Some tough games to start the season. Some tough defenses they'll be facing. Do you go week four at the Giants? Week five at home against the Patriots. I'd lean more week four against the Giants on the road, even though it's a hostile environment. I'd rather go into a hostile environment that's supposed to be hostile instead of a friendly environment that turns hostile based upon my performance. But that throw last night, the 55-yard catch and run, keeping his cool in traffic, he showed some mobility. He got himself in a little bit of a pickle where I was afraid he was going to get hurt. But I think Dwayne Haskins can be a star player in this league. Lamar Jackson, a second-year quarterback, showing a lot of promise. That run, somebody pointed this out, too. I can't remember who it was. It may have been Matthew Berry from ESPN. If you saw that run, the 18-yard touchdown that was called back due to a blindside block last night from Willie Sneed, if you saw that 18-yard touchdown run from Lamar Jackson in a Madden game, you'd say, oh, oh, please. This isn't realistic. With the cuts and the moves and the spin and the jump. But the advice given to Lamar Jackson by Aaron Rodgers, very appropriate. Get down. You got to know when to bail out. You got to know when to live to play another day. You do not want to get hit. It's basic physics. The more you get hit, the greater the chance that eventually you will get hurt. Unless you've got some special body chemistry and makeup that allows you to take that pounding without getting injured. I was also really impressed with Sam Darnold throwing as Chris Sims would call them, but hopefully not on the air when we're on NBC Sports Radio, piss missiles. I don't know why we couldn't say piss missiles on NBC Sports Radio. Is piss a, is it one of the, I think it was, was it one of the George Carlin words you can't say on TV? That was a long time ago though. I think you can say piss, can't you? Anyway, the Jets, I think, could end up surprising people this year. I saw they lost Avery Williamson, inside linebacker, for the season with a torn ACL. 
But I, I believe that between the Jets and the Bills, one of those two teams is going to be in contention for a wild card berth. And that makes week one, Bills at Jets, a critical, critical matchup. All right, that's enough about the things that happened last night, the things I wanted to talk about. I'm going to answer your questions. Before that, though, let me just point this out on behalf of our friends at NHTSA. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. You can get in a crash. People get hurt or killed. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol-impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes. Even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades, Drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Isn't that amazing? I remember back in the 80s when the sensitivity to drunk driving was nothing. People just kind of shrugged at it. You just understood, yeah, I had a few too many. I'll just be careful. Seriously. The whole concept of the designated driver, that wasn't a phrase before 1981 or 82. Mothers Against Drunk Driving, what a great service that organization has provided to the world. Because it created a a political climate where the punishment went up dramatically for drunk driving. The stigma went up dramatically for drunk driving. And people became vigilant about avoiding any possibility of driving drunk. Although, even with all that progress, more than 10,000 lives each year. And even if you don't get in an accident and kill someone or yourself, there can be a big impact for driving drunk. You get arrested. You end up with significant legal expenses. Maybe you lose your job. So to prevent that kind of an outcome, you plan your ride home before you start drinking. Have a sober driver. Call a taxi. Call an Uber. Call a Lyft. Hitchhike if you have to. Walk if you have to. There was once back in the mid-1980s where I had driven to a a bar that my buddies and I used to go to, and it was probably a mile and a little bit from where my parents lived. And I had the presence of mind to know I should not drive this car up over the hill. So I walked home. Got the car the next day. Yeah, it's a pain in the ass it's far less of an inconvenience than the alternative if someone you know has been drinking take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home we know the consequences of driving drunk one thing's for sure you're wrong if you think it's no big deal drive sober get pulled over paid for by nets all right and that's i mean I, i feel strongly about that because a drunk driver could kill any of us any of us and there's no excuse for it even if you are blackout drunk, there is a point on the path to getting blackout drunk where you realize, I know I drove here, but I probably should take care of the arrangements for getting home as I continue to down this Jack Daniels slip and slide that is going to put me in a spot where I'm going to do something stupid. You don't just instantly get blackout, stupid, silly drunk. It's a process. And even if you didn't plan to drink that night, at some point, you know, oh, you know what? Mm-hmm. 
What are we going to do here? How am I getting home? Who's going to drive? Who's calling me a cab? Who's calling me an Uber? Where can I sleep tonight? You think of all that. Once you start sliding down that path, that's what you need to do. Nitsa got a hell of a lot more than they paid for on that one, but you know what? I don't care. I feel strongly about it. I could talk about it the whole show, especially with Labor Day weekend not that far away. You know, it's one of those occasions where people get themselves in a spot where they, they might make bad decisions. All right, time to answer your questions. PFTPM Posse, what are your plans for this weekend? Anything exciting? None of your damn business. Also, you recently mentioned going to the family cabin with at Florio Macy. What's that? I thought I'd talked about that before. My wife's family for years, like 80 years, has had a cabin about 45 miles away from where we live on a small river, undisclosed location, horrible cell service. They got about 40 acres down there. Much of it's a hillside. There's a nice little area of two or three acres right on the river, cabin, little flat area to play volleyball. There's a basketball hoop, a little cornhole, run around a little bit, pass football, fish. It's right at a spot where there are a bunch of rocks, some big rocks that you can go out and sit there if the water's low enough. Some big-ass fish, giant catfish have been caught. I've been there. I didn't catch one. I was there with my nephew 16, 17 years ago. And we were fishing at night. He caught this gigantic, scary catfish. So we, we and I mean, it was d- disgusting. We somehow get it off the hook, get it back in. I catch this three-inch bass. I pop it off the hook, throw it back in. He catches an even bigger catfish to the point where he had to drag it. His pole was bent down. <laughs> he had to drag the thing up onto the rocks. And there's musky out there. It's like a shark. I remember when I was a kid, I wanted to catch a musky. Now that I'm an adult, it's like, I don't want to mess with one of those things. I'll gnaw your arm off. So anyway, we used to go up there a lot when my son was young and now that we have a house that I like to be at all the time I don't like to be anywhere except at my house but we went up there last Sunday for a few hours and Macy loved it and it wiped her out and she just was like done on the way home and when we got home so thanks for asking this weekend hey there's just uh, a couple more before the fun starts so I like to get uh, maximum relaxation but also an acknowledgement that got to keep feeding the beast because preseason is up and running pftpm posse maybe it wouldn't be that hard for the nfl to fix games if al riveron is the only one directed by the commissioner to impact the game with pi calls right i still think the game isn't fixed i understand that people think the fix is in i just think it's too hard to fix the game and then it's too hard to keep people quiet about the fixed games for the rest of their lives so I can understand why certain circumstances will cause people to say the fix is in, but I never believe the fix is in. And the thing I don't like about this new replay review, the one thing I like less than anything else, because there's a lot about it I don't like, it puts too much power in the hands of Al Riveron. He's the most powerful guy in the NFL during football season. And I think that if they keep this process, they will eventually do something that I have been arguing against for years, and that's, cap the yardage for defensive pass interference at 15 because you can't have one man deciding with the benefit of super slow motion 
a thousand miles or more away from the events in question, whether or not 30, 40, 50 yards of field position is going to change hands. A red zone out, who's more likely to be playing for their current team in 2020, Marcus Mariota or Jameis Winston? I would say Winston. I would say Winston. But but not by a significant margin. I feel like the Titans are more ambivalent about Mariota than the Buccaneers are about Winston. And also, if this were I feel like it's more likely to work for Bruce Arians and Jameis Winston, so that buys another year or two. It's going to be interesting to see what kind of a contract they do for Winston. Because let's say they want to keep him. What's he going to want? $30 million? No thanks, Jameis. But the market shot up so much in the last few years, what do you pay a guy whose fifth-year option has expired? He's a free agent if you don't tag him. If you tag him, you're looking at $25 million or more. So it's an interesting question. Dirtbag1327, worst training staff, Washington or Chargers? I would just say Washington because I'm influenced by the broader dysfunction in the organization. And as Big Cat said today on PFT Live, dysfunctional organizations do dysfunctional things. So we should not be surprised when those dysfunctional organizations act in a dysfunctional way. And that's Washington in a nutshell. Leapers 500, how did the Cowboys end up in this particular pickle? Is it that their superstars, drafted and traded for, are simply very close in contract expiration and any team would face this? Or do other smarter teams massage the situation and avoid the current debacle? I think it's a combination. I mean, the Cowboys are, to a certain extent, being victimized by their success in drafting players. I mean, if they can hold Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott together for the bulk of their careers, 2016 becomes one of the all-time great draft classes because you get in the same draft, Elliott and Prescott. Is that also the year they got Jalen Smith? That also may be the year they got Jalen Smith. So, yeah, I think there's there's uh, part of the problem that comes from the fact that that you have amassed great young talent that now has to be paid. The Amari Cooper trade, the big flaw in that was this idea, well, we're essentially pre-using our 2019 first-round pick on a receiver. Well, you are, but here's the problem. You're not getting the cheap years out of that receiver. You're advancing directly to the fifth-year option at $13.9 million. So now you got a pickle. Now you got a jam. And from his perspective, I'll take the $14 million. And next year, you either franchise tag me, sign me to a long-term deal, or I walk away in free agency. It's that simple. I think the Cowboys are flummoxed by the fact that they got three star players right now that they want to give significant money to, but the three star players are saying that's not enough. And it's causing Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones to say some things that create the impression that maybe they are up against the ropes. And as I said earlier this week on PFT Live, to the players involved, keep punching. I don't mean any disrespect to the Joneses. I think they're great for football. But in far too many instances in this sport, the owners have the control over the players and they are ruthless about it. So when you get yourself in a situation where you have control over the owners, take advantage of it. 
I may have told you this story before. One of the cases I tried, it's now been 15 years ago. Got a significant verdict. And it was an employment discrimination case. And it was time to consider what the punishment would be under the category of exemplary or punitive damages. And here's the thing. You know, for a car accident case, you're never going to get punitive damages. It's an accident. Shit happens. People do stupid things. They cause accidents. They didn't mean to do it. When you have a case where you have convinced a jury that the termination of an employee was the result of a deliberate targeting of that person because that person was complaining about an unsafe condition in the workplace, and they came up with a phony pretextual reason for running him out because they just wanted to run him off. And they, they were going to do and say whatever they had to do to run him off, okay? Once you've crossed that bridge, then yeah, punishment needs to be implemented. And punishment is determined based upon a variety of factors, including how much money the company has. Because it would be one thing to come up with something that hurts me financially. It's another thing to come up with something that gets a big company to realize, oh shit, we better stop doing what we did. So anyway... We're getting ready to move on to that phase of the trial and they want to settle. And there's value in taking the bird in the hand because you never know what's going to happen on appeal and it slows the process down and this thing continues to hover over your client. And so they, they start talking and you know they, they, they're going to pay everything that he got plus, you know, an amount over and above that for the punitive damages. And I remember my client said, like the first offer, it was like Kramer. When the coffee company was going to pay him $50,000 plus all the coffee, the, all the cafe lattes he could ever drink, and they get out that part of it, and he says, I'll take it. And the client is ready to take the first offer. And I said, whoa, whoa, whoa. It is very rare in life where we find ourselves in a position where we have a billion-dollar company by the balls. There's nothing wrong with squeezing. And that's what we did. So, to my friends with the Dallas Cowboys, who have Jerry and or Stephen Jones by the balls, go ahead and give a squeeze. You're rarely going to have that opportunity. They're going to be squeezing the balls of players. You know, this metaphor has really gone off the rails. They're going to be squeezing the balls of the players for as long as they own the team. And far more often than not, they're going to be the ones doing the squeezing. It's going to be very rare that they're the ones getting squeezed. So squeeze. Nittany claims, just curious of your thoughts regarding the Ringers employees unionizing and Dave Portnoy's comments to his own employees regarding their potential unionization. I've been meaning to take a closer look at this one. I was surprised that the Ringers employees unionized and any employee, any group, any, anywhere, can you can... You can unionize. I remember back when I was practicing law uh, at a firm here in, in town 25 years ago. And, you know, you work hard. You're competing to become partner. You want to show that you're dedicated. You work weekends. You do whatever you have to do, et cetera, et cetera. And my wife's grandfather was still alive then. And we'd visit him on Sundays. And and uh, I don't know if one day we got there late or he was asking about work. And I was we just, you know... I mentioned something about working Saturday or, and, and, uh, he said at one point, well, you should unionize. And I was just telling one of the bosses 
I mean, we were shooting the breeze the, the in you know the week after that, and I can't remember how it came up, but I mentioned that he said that, and we were just joking around, and well, I I was joking around. As soon as I said that, all the blood drained out of the face of the boss. He was, no, what? So, look, you keep your employees happy, and they're not going to unionize. It makes me wonder what happened at the ringer. Who did Bill Simmons piss off to get these people to unionize? Now, I feel like the Barstool stuff, it's all... I think I feel like everything that Dave Portnoy does is a bit. But the problem is there are certain things that you don't want to mess with. There are certain rails that you don't want to touch. And there are certain things that you can't laugh off as a joke after the fact, even if it all was a bit. So, look, employees have the right to unionize. And if you take care of your employees, if you have good communication with your employees, they are not inclined to rely upon a third party to the relationship to help them get what you're not giving them on their own. Because yes, it complicates it for everyone when there's a third party of the relationship involved. It does. And you don't want your employees to ever have to, you treat them well, you treat them the right way and they're not going to unionize. If you treat them well, they won't unionize. Gong Show West, when A-Flow was growing up, did you encourage him to play multiple sports or did he gravitate toward football on his own as the one he wanted to concentrate on? He played baseball and football through high school. He never really took to basketball. But I, I always tried to have perspective when it came to my son's athletic career. The kids who are going to be Division I athletes and or have a shot at playing professional football, it declares itself pretty quickly. Especially when you live in West Virginia. If you have a child who is going to be potentially a Division I athlete in any sport, a professional athlete in any sport, it is going to show itself. And you're going to know, damn, now that's an athlete. And they're rare. So, one thing that I, I and, and you know, look, to each his own. But I think parents who get caught up in, you know, wh wh where are we going to live? Are we going to move to this town so we can go to this school? Not because of the curriculum, but because of the sport. I don't know how many times you have to pay attention to the life cycle of high school, college, et cetera, realize all these guys and gals who are supposedly great athletes, they don't do anything after high school. It's all so temporary. It's all so irrelevant to the broader scheme of their lives. It's more important to lay the foundation for other things and to get caught up in that. So I, I was never one of this. So let's strategize. You just do what you want. You do what you enjoy to do. Period. All right, what's next? Tyler Furness in Minnesota, the State Fair is a huge deal, and it's called the Great Minnesota Get-Together. Does West Virginia have a good State Fair? It's got a State Fair, but it's like two and a half hours away from here. I've never been to it. So I don't know if it's good or not good, but thank you for asking. Recliner QB, wasn't Peyton Manning the kind of sudden drastic movements of the hand pre-snap, similar if not worse than Kyler Murray? I thought that whole thing was goofy last night. And remember this, it's preseason for the officials too. And they have some of these folks working the games who aren't even the regular officials. They're part of the developmental program. So maybe you end up with, as Marv Levy once said, an over-officious jerk. 
Dr. J144, should I be concerned with Vance Joseph's defense getting gashed here in Arizona both games so far? He wasn't a good defensive quarter in Miami, and Denver's defense regressed under him. Gears of Ted responds, as a Broncos fan, yes. You know what was weird last night? There were a few occasions, and you can tell, like, when they show the sideline shots, you get a sense of who's really locked in and doing stuff and who isn't. And, and I like Vance Joseph. And it's not his fault that they trusted him to be a good coach in Denver, and he wasn't. He did the best he could. He was having the time of his life. But, but I, I noticed him a few times on the sideline last night of the Raiders-Cardinals game. And it didn't look like he was doing anything. Like, I mean, if if the defense is on the field, there's a certain urgency or involvement that is going to be conveyed. If the defense isn't on the field, aren't you over there talking to them? He just could look like he's hanging out watching the game. And again, that may be, maybe it was coincidence. Maybe it just so happened every time they showed a shot of the sideline and there was Vance Joseph, it just happened to be those occasions in the game where he was just taking a break, watching a little bit of the game. But I think every time I noticed him, and I noticed him multiple times, like, hey, there's Vance Joseph. Hey, there's Vance Joseph. It's like, what's he doing? It doesn't look like he's doing anything. So that's not exactly the basis for a fair assessment of his coaching skills, but it was just weird. Because you're used to seeing assistant coaches, especially coordinators, doing something. All right. Tyler Furness, why are people panicking about Kyler Murray already? Cliff Kingsbury obviously isn't showing any of his offense yet. No, but you want to pass the eyeball test. And last night he didn't. Week one he did. And I think we all expected to get blown away last night. I was excited. And then the game started. It's like, he took a couple of sacks and... He just didn't have that same crispness to him that he had week one. And I really do think John Gruden brought a little bit more than a preseason coach typically does, just to stick it to him a little bit. Andrew Yeh, why do we not hear from stats on your morning show as often as we used to? And Dean Osborne chimes in. Mike explained a few weeks ago, Stats is still there, but has more of a behind-the-curtain role, which takes him away from the microphone. Yeah, he's in the control room the whole show now. He's in the TV control room. Because here's the reality. It's a three-hour radio show. It's a two-hour TV show that gets re-aired on most days. So what we're trying to do is make the TV hours as good as they can be. The radio, so I can, and this is one of the realities of doing PFTPM. I can do that one hour radio in my sleep. Some days I do. I don't need him for that. I don't need that second voice. I have the second voice for two hours in the form of Chris Sims four days a week. Big Cat one day. Shereen Williams is needed. That's kind of the rotation that we've developed. Peter King will be back during football season, I believe. But for that first radio hour, it's just PFTPM with breaks. That's all it is. And uh, Stats helps me set up the topics, but then... He heads to the TV control room because we've decided, and this was a decision we made coming out of our four-week hiatus, that it just makes more sense for him to focus on getting everything buttoned up for the TV hours and not worry about being involved in what's happening during the radio hours. Ryan Tompkins, too. Do you think Derek Carr is the future quarterback of the Raiders, or will he 
fold under Gruden. I, I think that there's a chance he's not going to be the quarterback next year. And I know he's been saying things now like, like uh, it's it's easier this year than it was last year. I, I think John Gruden went easy on him last year, and at some point it's going to get very difficult for Derek Carr. I think John Gruden restrained himself last year. And I think he's going to test Derek Carr more this year because he needs to ask himself, is this the guy I'm taking to Las Vegas? And Raiders fans who think that Derek Carr is guaranteed employment next year in Las Vegas because he's building a house next door to John Gruden, are you, are you serious? You're almost as delusional as Derek Carr, who said publicly back during mandatory minicamp or somewhere in the offseason program, I'm going to be the quarterback of the team as long as I want to be. I made the comment then, you don't understand how football works at the highest level if you think you can say and dictate to the team how long you're going to be the quarterback. They decide how long you're going to be the quarterback. And Mike Mayock himself said it in April, the GM of the Raiders. We looked at Kyler Murray and Dwayne Haskins because we have an obligation to always upgrade and be looking for upgrades, and we have to keep our eyes open for better players at every position, including quarterback. And I think that was the point where Derek Carr decided to block me on Twitter. Eric T. Sains, if a player is holding out, can he just return to the team and fake an injury or say he has headaches to be placed on IR concussion protocol until the contract expires to try to force a trade release? Seems better than missing paychecks. I think that's happened before. A player doesn't hold out, he holds in. I got a calf muscle. I got to pull my hamstring. I may, I'm kind of dizzy. I think that's happened before, but the player doesn't tell the world that's what he's doing, and the team doesn't necessarily advertise that. You don't want to be in the business of accusing your players of faking it, but I think that's happened. I think it would be naive to think that that doesn't happen. Manual focus earlier this week, you named many football movies but left out concussion. Does it count as a football movie? I don't know. I watched half of it once. That was just one of those high and mighty, grandiose, this is going to change everything movies, and it fell flat. Will Smith thought he was going to win an Oscar for that movie. So, I don't know. It's not a football movie. It's an anti-football movie. Leapers 500, is there anything in the law that is so commonly misunderstood by the public as the First Amendment's freedom of speech? I find it crazy that folks think this means you are free of any consequence for what you say. It only applies to state repression or punishment. You're right. There are consequences for what you say. Whether it's in the court of public opinion, whether it's in your workplace, there are limits to the First Amendment. Yelling fire in a crowded theater is the classic example. But First Amendment classically means there will be no governmental action taken against you for the things you say. There can be other consequences. So, yeah, it is misunderstood. And it's the knee-jerk reaction for somebody who says something they shouldn't have said and they find themselves facing consequences they didn't think they were going to face. Leapers 500, is there a coach lurking on a staff or in college somewhere that you think would be a gem as an NFL head coach? I don't know. I'd have to think about it. Especially this time of year, I'm not thinking about, oh, hey, yeah, you better go hire that guy. And and look, as a member of the media, it's impossible to know. You know, you hear about, oh, well, this guy's going to be. I remember back when Bruce Arians was an assistant coach. This was years ago. There were teams keeping an eye on him, and I don't know why they didn't hire him. By they, I mean an NFL team, not one specific team, but any team until 2013. But 
there's nobody like that now that is just like, hey, there's this guy out there that this is off the radar screen and and isn't in the pipeline and keep an eye on this guy. He's going to be a great head coach like a McVay a couple of years ago. Leapers 500, one more. Have you smoked an Upman Connoisseur number one? Great smoke. Also the Partagas E2. I have not. I got so many freaking cigars. My humidor, my, my homemade by my nephew, beautiful cedar-lined humidor is full. It's got a machine in it that plugs into the wall that keeps, it's perfect. Perfect chomp. You know when you bite into the end of a cigar, whether it's ready to smoke. Just enough cushion when you bite into it. No disruption of the outer wrapper. But I've never had the Upman Connoisseur. I, I've got some Partagas cigars that I got uh, earlier this year that are pretty good. I, I'm, I'm like, well, you know, for me, it's pass-fail. I either like it or I don't. And, and like with wine, pass-fail. What do you think of that wine? I like it. What do you think of that wine? I don't like it. Why do you like it? It tastes good. Why does it taste good? Because it does. Do you taste the blueberry hints and the leather whatever no it just tastes good i think a lot of the people who act like they understand all those nuances are lying they just want it's like when somebody stands in front of a painting and acts like they know what the hell's going on they're just trying to impress people it either tastes good or it doesn't mario duilo who's your best player in ultimate team so far do you spend money on your team i do not spend money and i will not spend money on my team my best players right now, they had an 86 Baker Mayfield and an 86 Deacon Jones available through some of the tasks that you have to do. I don't have anybody better than 86. I think my next best player is like an 84. I think I have an 84 Philip Lindsay. An 83, who's the tight end that I have? I think Delaney Walker. All my starters are 80 or above. My team is an 81. Offense is 82, defense is 80. And it's, I'll tell you what, I'm going to get my ass kicked playing online. I, I, every game, it starts off well, and then the, the dam just opens, and by halftime, it's rage quit. Dean Osborne, 42, is Baker Mayfield talking just a bit too much? Shouldn't all quarterbacks just study how Tom Brady goes about his business and just shut up and play? Hey, if it works for Baker Mayfield, it works. We'll find out this year if he can take the Browns to the next level. I kind of like it. I kind of like that little cockiness. I like a little bit of WWE with my NFL. Ricardo Hines, if you had your choice to start a team with Bill Belichick or Tom Brady, who would you choose, assuming both are younger? Belichick. Bill Belichick. No offense to Tom Brady. He'll find another Tom Brady. Greatest coach of all time in any sport. Even though I also think he's a bit of a jerk, gratuitously and unnecessarily, in how he deals with people. But I think he's the greatest coach of all time in any sport. Dean Osborne, 42. Do you think it upsets Sam Darnold that he didn't go first in last year's draft? Probably deep down. Give you a little motivation. Week two this year, Browns, Jets. Yeah, give him a little edge. Give him a little kick. I'm sure Adam Gase will remind him of it a few times. Come on, Darnold. Throw that ball like you were the first pick in the draft, even though you weren't. Burn unit. What do you think of a new way of cap spending, one which requires teams to put every dollar of an unused cap space into an account for the NFLPA at the end of the year? Players can benefit from the interest and not the owners. Might encourage owners to spend the cap. Yeah, look, this is one of the things I got to address in the next CBA. 
they need to require 100% league-wide spending under the salary cap and close to it per team. Dean Osborne, 42, do you think Jay-Z is making a play for the commissioner's job eventually instead of being an owner? What better way to unite the league and union than having an African-American commissioner? But not Jay-Z. I don't think he's making a play to be the commissioner. I think he's making a play to be an owner. I was told that six years ago when he started the Rock Nation Sports Agency. He's got something larger in mind here, or he wouldn't have tried to walk this very awkward tightrope of taking the NFL's money, taking that position, that status, that relationship, and not ensuring that Colin Kaepernick was taken care of. As I said yesterday in an item that I wrote at PFT, all you have to do if you're Jay-Z and they're sniffing around some sort of a deal with you, all you have to do is say, we're wasting our time until Colin Kaepernick is on a team. That was the move I made with NBC as it relates to the editorial control of the site. When they called me up January 2009, we're wasting our time if I'm not going to have full control over the site. Let's not even have this discussion. And that should have been the first thing Jay-Z said. But I think his agenda to own a team, it, it gave him a clunky way to justify because the things he said really do not make logical sense. We can either help millions of people or we can worry about Colin Kaepernick not having a job. How about both, as Eric Reed pointed out? It's time to get past the kneeling and get on to action. Well, the kneeling is action. And for that action, there was consequences. And to the extent the NFL has now gotten the message, how can the NFL continue to kill the career of the messenger? Andrew Yeh, do you think Kyler Murray will stop with the clap snap counts before the regular season or continue? Doesn't clapping give the defense an early visual cue of the snap before the offense? I just think he's not going to get flagged for it. He's going to talk to the league. Cliff Kingsbury will talk to the league. And they'll find out what they can do, and that's what he'll do. And I just think that, that last night, the official who was calling that penalty was being a little bit overboard. Mike likes dirt. Pick two preparations of barbecue to have for the rest of your life. For example, burgers, steak, ribs, chicken, brisket, sausage. I would go chicken and brisket. Oh, yeah, wait. You mean grilled or do you mean barbecue style? I, I, I'd have to have steak. I would go steak and... Mm, I hate to say steak and burgers because if those are the only two for the rest of my life, I'm not going to live very long. But you know what? Based upon the way this summer has gone, burgers and steak. Mario Duilo. What's better, Hard Knocks or All or Nothing? I like All or Nothing better, although I was disappointed by it this year. I'm disappointed by Hard Knocks. I'm disappointed by all this because it's becoming more and more clear that the NFL is micromanaging. The teams are micromanaging. It's not a reality show. It's an infomercial. It's better than nothing, but not by much. Dean Osborne, 42, over under on how many seasons before we consider Jimmy Garoppolo a bust. I don't know that bust is the right word. That applies more to draft picks, but... A guy who's not a franchise quarterback. You know, there's three kinds of teams in the NFL. Teams that have franchise quarterbacks, teams that don't, and teams that have a guy that they're waiting to see whether or not he is one. And I think Garoppolo gets one more year to show that he is one or the 49ers are going to move on. Gears of Ted, what do you make of the Ravens winning their 15th preseason game in a row and the Falcons losing their 11th in a row? It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's random. 
Nobody is trying to win these games. Now, the players are trying to do the best they can, and if they do, it results in the team scoring points, but nobody is saying we've got to win this game. Mike likes dirt. Pick one active, one historical player, and one coach other than Belichick. You'd like to see Wright produce a football movie using their perspective on the game. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, and Vince Lombardi. God, come up with a tougher question, Mike likes dirt. Mike likes dirt. Who could chug a beer faster, Aaron Rodgers or Macy? That's a better question. Macy doesn't chug. She just laps. And my God, that sound, that's the one thing I still can't get used to. When, if I'm downstairs and I'm trying to work and she decides to go after her water bowl, and oh my God, I'll eventually yell, Macy, stop! Gears of Ted, draft idea for the show, best preseason games of all time, really? Eric T. Sains, I saw you were on the Rich Eisen show the other day. You said that you weren't on friendly terms with him, so how did they book you? He was off. And I don't know that I, look, it's, I guess is detente the right word? We're not on unfriendly terms. I've told the story before about the you're better than that comment. That was seven years ago, and I'm Italian. For as long as I remember why we are in this gulf of not really having a relationship, for as long as that memory is still there, probably going to remain in that gulf. Not that he's shedding any tears over it. But I respect what he does, and I'm sure he, I'd like to think he respects what I do, and Mike Heller sits in for him, and I, I, I know Mike, I like Mike, and they asked me to be on the show, so I said, what the hell? For a safety item, shouldn't they be replaced yearly? Are game helmets used during practice and training camp? I think it's the same helmet. The NFL came up with a rule a few years ago, one helmet all year long. And I thought they got a new helmet every year, but apparently you can keep that helmet as long as the model is still permitted. You can keep that helmet for 10 years. Gears of Ted, could you see a Mac to the Bears type trade of Ezekiel Elliott if a deal can't get worked out? I'd be surprised if that happens. I would really be surprised if that happened. Especially after the Herschel Walker trade. This is year 30 after the Herschel Walker trade. Do you think anybody is going to give up some huge pile of draft picks to the Cowboys for a star running back after what happened with Herschel Walker? Who would make that move? Who's the team out there that is one great running back away from contending? That's what the Vikings thought they were, and they were wrong. So I don't think that's going to happen. Watch, it'll happen tomorrow. Gears of Ted, should the Eagles not sign Carson Wentz long-term if he can't play all 16 games for the third year in a row? Hey, Gears of Ted, they already have. Gears of Ted, why has All or Nothing been exclusively NFC team so far? I don't know. Luck of the draw? How many have there been? Cowboys, Rams, Cardinals, and Panthers, not in that order. Maybe an AFC team will get the honor next year. Playoff cap, thoughts on the Derwin injury? Why do Chargers players always get injured? I, it'll, at a certain point, it's not bad luck. At a certain point, it's bad something. Bad training staff, bad rehab, bad something. Gears of Ted, is Ravens Packers your Super Bowl pick every year? No, but thanks for paying attention. But no, last year it was. Eric T. Sains, did you ever make a mistake early on in your career where you thought, oh shit, maybe this whole thing is screwed now. What did you do about it? Love the personal experience answers you always give out on PFTPM. I remember when... I blanked on national TV post game the weekend that, and I'm going to blank on the name again. Who's the guy? Josh Brent, the Cowboys player who got in the crash 
drunk, killed his teammate. I was blanking on Jerry Brown, and I just blanked. And I remember just being distraught about that. I can't believe I did that. I just blanked. And uh, I thought, well, that's it. Never going to be on TV again. And the boss told me the next day, it's fine. I'm good with one of those once every five years. Well, it's been seven, so I'm due. Great. Now it's going to be in my head. <laughs> Just as we're getting ready. to, yeah, Because there is a fundamental difference between talking into this microphone, talking into the PFT Live microphone, talking into the PFT Live TV microphone, and being part of Football Night in America. Because people are actually watching that. Now, as time goes by, it's gotten easier. But you still feel a little greater anxiety when you know it's football night in America. You don't want to screw up. Especially when, like, if I was on the entire show, eh, I'm going to screw up at some point, who cares? I got a chance to redeem myself. That's how I view it during the NBCSN PFT Live. If I screw something up, all right, I'll just be more focused. I'll do better. I'll have some witty line or something, and I'll redeem myself. But if you're only on in little fits and starts and bits and pieces... That's it. No chance to redeem yourself until next week. Last question, Blunt and Henny. Do you do you find Democrats are getting away from their true party roots? The only sane candidate seems to be Tulsi Gabbard. Look, I, I haven't been paying all that much attention to what the various planks of the Democratic platform would call for. I, I don't I'm a libertarian. And I don't necessarily agree with what one party says on a given issue so much as I disagree with what a party believes. And there are things about the Democratic Party and some of the candidates that I don't like, and there are things about the Republican incumbent that I don't like. I just want somebody who is right down the middle. Can we have mainstream? Can we have normalcy for four years? I'm afraid we are going to be in the same pattern that a dysfunctional football team is in. You hire a coach, and that coach ends up getting fired, and then your next coach is the exact opposite of the coach you fired. And then that coach gets fired, and the next coach is the exact opposite of that coach. Are we going to be playing a game of polarizing ping pong here where it's going to be a far-right candidate who wants to build the Great Wall of China around our entire border— and cut taxes for the rich and destroy the environment systematically one executive order at a time and and then are we going to go the other way where tax rates are going to soar and the borders are going to be open and there's not going to be any restriction on who comes in and there's not going to be any effort i mean there's, there's got to be a middle ground logical position and i don't want us to be in this ridiculous swing back and forth back and forth that is no way for this country to thrive so that's what i'd like to see the problem is even the, see the, the problem is when a democrat is the president the democrats will for the most part view that person as mainstream but the republicans think that that person's an extremist and when a republican is the president the republicans will consider that person as mainstream and the the Democrats think that person's extremist, and maybe that's just a, an observation of how wide the gulf is between the two parties. I've been saying for 15 years now that the two parties are not enough. I don't like this, this idea of you must 
adopt a party and you have to take all the things they believe. I, I, I like my political opinions and views more a la carte. But I, I am, I, you know, I, it's my personality and it's my politics. Just leave me alone. I'll leave you alone. You leave me alone. Now, if you hurt me, that's a problem. But I'm not going to mess with you. You don't mess with me. You live your life. I'll live mine. And you do your thing. I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to tell you how to live. I'm not going to look down my nose at you because you live differently than I do. Don't you look down your nose at me. Don't you tell me what to do. I won't tell you what to do. That's how I would like to live. And I got no problem paying my fair share of taxes. I'm happy to pay my taxes. If you're not making money, you're not paying taxes. But I really don't want to subsidize. There's a line where you are subsidizing people who are choosing not to help themselves improve their lot in life. I don't know where that line is. But I want everyone to be encouraged to pursue the American dream. And I don't want to make it so easy that people can choose to just do nothing. Just play video games all day, smoke weed, and eat Doritos. So that's all I have to say about that. I think that, that, that's a fair recognition of how I feel. And I think a lot of people feel that way. I'll help the people who need to be helped. And I think that's part of our obligation as a country to take care of people who need to be taken care of. But let's not create a system that builds in a strong temptation for people who really don't have the need to take advantage. And let's give people real incentives to make their, their standing in life better. But let's also not get so hung up on these social issues. Let people just let people choose how to live their lives. People get so caught up in trying to tell other people how to live their lives. What enjoyment do you get? I really would love to know. I'd love to talk to one of these people who, who want to tell other people how to live their lives. And I want to ask them, what about that makes you feel better about your own life? That you have some power because the people are still going to live their lives. You're just making them feel bad about the lives they live or you're forcing them to live their lives in secrecy. They're still going to do what they do in conformance with who they are. So why the hell are you trying to force them to be something other than who they are? I never will understand that. All right, that's it. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the games. We'll be back Monday with another PFT PM. Closer and closer to the start of the season. PFT Live Monday morning. Profootballtalk.com all weekend long. Appreciate your support. Have a great weekend. We'll talk soon. You can find the PFT PM podcast on Art19, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. If you like what you hear, and you will, subscribe for automatic downloads. Leave a rating and review. That'll help new listeners find our show and push us up the charts. Search PFT PM for your evening update from Pro Football Talk. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.